Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. From America, this is the Adult Swim Podcast, Rick and Morty Companion Edition. Live. Why am I yelling? (laughs) Live. (laughs) I don't know. I'm Matt Harrigan. With me, Maxime Simonet. That's you. Yep, here again. We're talking about Rick and Morty 408, the Vat of Acid episode. If you haven't watched it yet, have you watched it, Max? Yeah, I have. And if you haven't watched it, you're probably living in a vat of acid. You might want to watch it first. We're going to get some spoilers from the folks who made this episode. Lauren Bremner is a Rick and Morty background designer. Jacob Hare directed it. James McDermott is the Rick and Morty art director. And Jeff Loveness wrote it they're all here now call and ask your questions 708-794-6386 lots of complaints about dumb questions and previous rick and morty companion podcast lives from us so no we ask great questions the callers have not been well, uh, sometimes it's a, little, it's a little moment of levity you know what i mean yeah like so, there's nothing wrong with it yeah just goofing off people, time. Get, not nervous. Every, people get nervous people everyone who thinks they've got a better question might be the one who is a dumb question yeah. is the thing. Here we go. I read a bunch of reviews. All, you know, Reddit lights up after all these. Was this almost a bottle episode? <laughs> and did it start out that way? And did it, maybe you want to explain what a bottle episode is? I don't know, Jeff. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, any uh, bottle episode is like that fly episode of Breaking Bad. It's usually like a contained environment, usually like for production reasons, right? Like they run out of money, so they have to just shoot an episode inside of a, you know, the bar or whatever. Um, but it's also like a creative challenge to like put yourself in a very confined location for the episode. Um, it, didn't really, it didn't really start as a bottle episode. We, we just... I mean, if you watch the behind the scenes on the YouTube too, like it, I think it just came from us. I had I had just seen RoboCop in which a vat of acid just floods onto a guy in a truck, and like we, so we I am always talking about Batman. We the whole room just got talking about vats of acid and like how openly dangerous it is in Gotham City, and like just you know everyone's <laughs> always falling in, and then we just I, I forget where it started, but just like the idea that Rick would have a go to vat of acid just in case. He has to fake his own death. He has to do the most cinematic way just to get off of people. But then, like, I think it came from, I forget where. It's it just like, the, we just realized, like, how long is the Joker down there? Like, did no one get him out? <laughs> like, how, you know, like, <laughs> like, what if someone stuck around? Like, if Batman, yeah, like, how long did Batman stick around after he kicks the Joker in, like, to make sure that he didn't get him out of there? I don't know. And it just became this. It's just a joy. It's like we, we broke the whole thing in a day. Uh, maybe you can tell, maybe you can't. I don't know. That's part of like the magic of it. Uh, but we just, and then it became an episode about Rick and Morty. And it's obviously it dovetails from there, but it's about like, what is a stupid idea and what is a genius idea that just needs execution? Um, I don't know. Just, yeah, but, but yeah, we just want to make a fun bottle episode that then became about something very real. It's like a sneak attack. Your co-writer, Albro Lundy. Yeah. He, that guy is fantastic. He he was the writer's assistant. I've never seen a guy who knows the blood of the show so well. He really is like the the heart of the show on the, um, I mean, as a writer's assistant. And then he graduated up. He wrote so well. I mean, this episode, I, he, he and Jacob, like I think are the MVPs, the whole art team. Like it's a, he did a great job and he's got really good episodes coming up. Too. He said in that short that like what you just said, you broke the story in a day, yeah. one day. <laughs> Yeah, I think there was an episode that died or there was, yeah, there's this fabled lost episode. I don't know if we talk about it, but like, yeah, we had an open slot basically. And and we had to, and we just challenged ourselves to come up with a stupid idea. And then it was something we had to kind of do fast because if, if maybe I'm, maybe I'm all wrong on my production side of things, but like it, it, we just needed a fast script to kind of slot in there. And so I had written a couple. And so I kind of knew how to you know, I knew how to like land the plane and get a shootable script out the door. And Albro was looking for his first script and he was so instrumental. So like 
we kind of just teamed up and then Harmon went to town on it and and Jacob and the art team added that incredible sequence with the plane. This is just like a joy. It was a really like the most collaborative episode and the most seamless episode too. Well, Jacob and the art team are here. Was it a joy for you guys or was it a terrible nightmare? <laughs> we, we were talking beforehand and I was saying that actually this episode was for me, as far as storyboard and stuff, one of the breeziest and I wouldn't say easy. They're all challenging, but it, 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 it underwent probably the least rewrites of, of an episode that I worked on. It, it, it just sort of breezed through production for me. And uh, I, I, I think the same is, is true for the designers. You guys were saying that it was similar on your end. Yeah, no, that yeah. was one of one of the breezier episodes, I think, to to get through. But was Johnny Carson a, a zombie at one point? Like, was that in the design? <laughs> he, had to, he had to like de zombie him, right? I think we had a way worse version of him. Yeah, his like and, uh, flesh is falling off. Yeah, like begging yeah. for <laughs> Yeah, so I think we kind of pulled back to actually like more realistic Johnny Carson, but still yeah. a little more zombie. Like so all of our twelve-year-old so fans would go nuts for Johnny Carson uh, impression. Yeah. <laughs> the so silliness you... of the of the acid vat location too. Uh, we were told in the launch, make it make it not like nonsense. There's a scaffold over acid vats for no reason. That environment has no function other than people would probably <laughs> fall into vats of acid. <laughs> so throughout the process, it was an easy episode. Is that what everyone's saying in a way? It went easy in quotes in quotes compared <laughs> to normal easy to watch it, it, yeah like yeah. I, at least on the the writing side it was like the most joyful uh it, it was it, we all knew this was like a very stupid premise and a very pretty sinister outcome as well with a little bit of like a, a redeeming more but like we just realized like we have to really lean into this and really just like let those sequences breathe and and slow it down when we have to. And then we were still like five minutes short, right? That's where the, like the plane sequence came in. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, uh, that was all bordered by, I mean, Jacob, didn't you have to come up with like a lot of what that whole sequence, uh, all that content or? Yeah. Was that we, not we, in the script? No. I yeah. no, I think Albro would you this is you guys. I can't take any. I wish I could take credit for that plane sequence. You guys. The, um. The at the board launch, we knew we knew that the show was going to be short, and um, they the, a lot of sometimes the montages and Rick and Morty things will will sort of be scripted as here are a few ideas to get the ball rolling. But you artists go, it'll literally say in the script, artists go nuts, <laughs> and uh, we you know <laughs> just in playing with what this device can do or even testing it, we were like, could there be moments where he doesn't use the device for a really long time? And I, I had said that to Albro in the board launch and he said, yeah, we actually had a similar idea in the writer's room that there could almost be like a mini Pixar short during this, um, this montage. So just derailing it into a relationship seemed to make the most sense and, and just zigging and zagging and seeing where we could go. I was watching AMC's The Terror at the time, and it was reminding me of the movie a lot, the, the book and the movie Alive uh, that uh, I had I had not revisited since like middle school. But um, yeah, it just it seemed to organically flow. Everything about this episode just flowed. It seemed like it just sort of like zipped down the line. Yeah, that definitely makes the background design process a lot easier. Is when you have something to reference. I think with this show, there are no easy episodes, but the saving grace is like, if it's an earthbound location. You can actually like, what does this plane look like? You know, what does the Alive set look like? And that helps so much as opposed to like having to invent a world or whatever. Lauren, what does that mean? How do you, do you go through Pinterest? What do you, how do you find these references? Well, I mean, if we're referencing something specific, obviously I want to look at that, but not go exactly what I'm seeing just because we're trying to invent a specific location for our story moment. But um, yeah, I mean, reference is a huge part of my daily workflow. Huge, huge part. Pinterest, Matt, what? I mean, <laughs> Pinterest is good. <laughs> Pinterest is good, Max. I love Pinterest. Uh, in the yeah. last batch of podcasts, some of the artists uh, referenced Pinterest as, wow. as uh, sources of interest. Yeah. Pinterest, if you will. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we ended up like looking up like what was the actual real plane from, you know, the actual real alive story. Mm. and trying to like make sure that plane kind of looked you know pretty spot on to that 
Is that the one with the soccer team? Like, what's the yeah. plot of that? Okay, I I saw that. I was hiking. I was doing this Nepal trek, and that was playing at the airport of the, <laughs> the most dangerous airport I think in the world. It's called like Lukla in in Nepal. Like, it's on a cliff, and they were playing that movie. Terrible <laughs> choice. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they had to do it by choice. Like, I don't, but I, I will never forget seeing these planes just dive off of a cliff. <laughs> and there's just like this, it's like, oh, that's going to be a 50, yeah, 50, 50 chance it'll be me. That's hilarious. <laughs> Probably the quietest sequence, right? Maybe since the Snakes episode? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we did this one right on the tail of, of Snakes. So I, I think that some of the, um, some of the the sort of like being in the groove of of pantomiming stuff rather than having dialogue driven stuff was was still going. So uh, yeah, and the 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 entire um, montage kind of Dan and Justin made a few tweaks to it at the end, but for the most part, I think it stayed pretty similar to the first board pass that we did. So big uh, Ryan Elder showcase. Yeah, he did an amazing job. The man, incredible. You guys tell a lot of story with no words in that. How long is that sequence? Did that end up being? I think it's close to four minutes. I was thrilled that they cleared the um, it's Elton John song, correct? The uh, um, way that it's you so use it. No, the Eric Clapton. Eric Clapton. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, the the um, then I had I had pulled a bunch of just temp audio of um, and thrown it into the animatic of like. Uh, you know, here's the moment where it gets kind of sad or here's where he's 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 uh, finding his strength and, and tried to find score that kind of kind of uh, demonstrated that. But then Ryan had the task of actually going through and composing something that would carry that whole sequence. And it, it, I really think those jokes live or die by the mood of that music in that sequence. So he did, it, it's fantastic. Elder, like season four, I mean, he's really like gone above and beyond his his score work is incredible. We got a caller right now who's been on the line for 10 minutes in two, one, go. You've been on for 10 minutes. Woo! Patience is a virtue. Um, it was a great episode, you guys. I just have one question. Uh, when y'all figured out uh, that you were going to do this video game save spot for Morty, um, uh, and, it, you know, uh, it's really close to time travel, Rick even says, uh, right. How did you how did you come up with the consequences for that? Even after uh, Morty learns his lesson, uh, did you mean the consequences like all the people showing up, or do you mean the consequence that Morty murdered everybody accidentally? Oh, the murder! I mean the murder. <laughs> I think it was like I, I think that I'm going to give this to Albro. I know we talked about it a lot, and we talked about like obviously like scott tennerman is a big like if you're going to do like a revenge story in an animated show you gotta you know you gotta meet at the plane of scott tennerman uh, <laughs> or, or or try to top it i think there's this old uh persian story uh, like mythology about like a guy feeding someone to his family you know just a very like there's we we just wanted to really show rick as just like if if to, to go to the absolute limit of his pettiness and this seemed we just had to go multiversal with it we hadn't done a ton of multiversal stuff, so we thought we had earned it a little bit. And just, uh, I know that we love, like, we love, you know, Order 66 from episode three. We love, like, we love epic Dune stuff. We Obviously, we love Fantastic Four. Any, like, branching timeline destruction. I don't know. We just tried to one-up. And I'm going to give this to Albro, though. I think he want, I think he wanted to prestige it, and he, he had the final <laughs> idea on it. What kind of analysis do you guys go through to make sure everything connects are you afraid of holes are you afraid to look at at reddit i look at it all i got to get better at that like especially <laughs> especially for like such a popular show it's like star wars or marvel or any you know you're just gonna find literally every opinion <laughs> but like, i don't know people seem to dig it and they like the stupidity of it and like the just the commitment to the bit i try to like yeah i, I guess i read stuff but I, I just like to see what people think we, we kept like there was a lot of confusion down the line exactly as to how to treat the device, the, the reset device, because you keep getting tripped up and, and convincing yourself that he is actually resetting. And you have to make sure that you keep in mind that he's hopping multiverses. So, so keeping that together uh, was something that I really tried to create, get way out ahead of before we board launched and create some guides and rules for the board artists so that we didn't go somewhere that sort of like violated what was actually going on in the story. There's also some discussion about um, should we show Morty getting 
gourd when he's doing his montage and we went back and forth on that like that, is there a property of the device that sort of heals him when he when he jumps to the next multiverse and stuff so we we played around with that too in some scenes we we tried not to show him getting gourd and others i think the gorilla scene has some blood spraying over the railing but uh it was it was a lot of fun just trying to play with it but also not like violate any rule of what's going on how did you uh, make the rules of it uh, apparent visually what were the little guidelines you had? I tried to map out like, okay, wait, he starts here. I mapped it out with post-it notes on a on a giant sheet of paper. I think Albro took a photo of it actually, but um, it really was it was helpful that Albro kind of came in and said, envision um, kind of like um, episode one of season two, I believe, the the Schrodinger's cat one with the split screens, and now imagine them just sort of hopping from panel to panel. And uh, that, that's kind of how the device at the end that Rick uses to describe to Morty how this tech works, that he's, he's actually, for, for every second that Morty exists, essentially, there's a, another Morty in another universe pressing save at the point where he did, and he, Rick can shunt him into that universe to create the illusion that he's gone back in time and releases hot multiverses. It's, it's very diabolical and deceptively, I think, complex for an episode that plays so simply and is so easy to understand question from chat from Benjamin Rivera says that the save state device is one of the few gadgets in the show that had further explanation on how it works. How much thought normally goes into uh, tools and weapons and techniques like that in the show that maybe we don't see when it's not even said at all? Um, like this one, I mean, this one just looked like a TV remote. And what was hilarious is that we must have designed like 60 different versions that were way more complicated and complex looking. And then everybody just wanted like the simplest uh, kind of device that we could come up with. Um, but for other props and and devices and whatnot, um, you know, there'll be a lot of back and forth and a lot of logic trading in between that that finally lands on on uh, the right idea that works for everybody. I sit right next to Brent, who's like our lead prop designer. And he's always talking about just like what's necessary for the moment. And he's a very technical person. So he'll figure out like literally how the thing works. It's not just a drawing for him. So that's definitely like a whole other world of thinking. I think the, the Wii remote was kind of the, the starting point for the device in this, in this episode, if I'm not mistaken. We wanted to find a, a, yeah, a familiar yeah. video game device. Mm -hmm, to... yeah. yeah. I think what ended up happening, it's like for some reason, the simplest things though on this show end up being like, <laughs> like Justin's <laughs> like Justin Roiland is like crazy about remotes and like you know uh, uh, like video game controls and that kind of thing so this was like the one thing you really like honed in on and chimed in on over and over again until we like probably went back to the first drawing <laughs> after like 60 drawings of it but um, but uh, you know simplicity went out so how accurate is is the meta science without you know, the, the viewer having to go do the research. There's a lot of jibber-jabber in there. And how accurate is, I mean, is that? Oh, none of it. No, none no, of it. no, no. Okay, no. thank you. Uh, <laughs> doesn't happen. <laughs> There's, uh, I think we try, I think with these things, uh, I think you just lead from the heart and you try to, you try to ground it in the, and you guys are so good at crafting a visual narrative to it, but I, I don't know, I think part of the joy, it's sci-fi. Like you, you, I think with sci-fi, you lean with the heart and then you explain it as well as you can. But then at a certain point, you kind of just give the child the world and, and see if it gets bullied or not. <laughs> but I would not say I did too much research on this. Um, <laughs> but we got the basic hook and then we had to, we had to streamline good. get the right idea. Like, but I think you, you just got to follow the comedy and then and then you make rules after that. A lot of chatters seem to be obsessed with trying to find out the name of the woman he's dating in the in the in the Pixar short sequence. Was there I, ever uh, a name given? I, I I mean, like I did model the girl after my fiance Carrie, so you could call her Carrie. I guess uh, the original. I think I did a concept sketch that I handed off to James, where I used like a teenage photo of my fiance. Um, but I only gave like one photo. It, it goes through the Rick and Morty filtration process. And I don't think the end result girl uh, necessarily exactly looks like my fiance. But wow. Immortalized. Lightness. Yeah. That's so cute. What an honor. Does it make you even <laughs> sadder to see that 
There's the possibility of a timeline with her that can be destroyed while you wake up somewhere else. Yeah, and I mean, in you know, we we didn't have time at the end necessarily, but but technically, I guess consequentially, all of the um, all of the the versions of her that pepper sprayed him would have been there too at the uh, at the end of the acid vat scene. Um, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, it was it was it was something that we totally figured out in board. So lots of that was never given a name or, or really um, uh, figured out. Uh, the chat's already that. been thrown off. Terry, Carrie, or Carrie? <laughs> Carrie with a C. Okay, so John Carrie. <laughs> a lot of references, Lauren. Maybe you can speak to this in the background. A lot of people in mm -hmm. um, on the internet talking about all the other shows that are referenced in this particular oh, yeah. episode. What can you tell us? Other shows that are referenced. Um, I mean, I feel like it's a general feeling of like a like a 90s montage. Like, you know, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know. I, I, all I can really speak to is the backgrounds that I did and little Easter eggs and stuff that I put in mind. But as far as the overarching uh, call-outs story-wise, I don't know. I think that might be a better question what, for Jeff. What, but. what did you put in? Well, there was the one scene with... Um, where Rick had been working all night and uh, he calls Morty in at three in the morning and his uh, garage is like disheveled. And I was able to add some props in there, just stuff that he had been working on. And uh, I definitely pulled some things from my childhood. There's a, there's a canister from the um, legend of the ooze Ninja turtle movie in there. There's oh. a little, um, there's like a cute little shell phone thing that I modeled after like a poly pocket that I had when I was a kid. Um, yeah, so just I think there's like a Powerpuff Girl reference in there. Just personal little things that make me happy to see them on screen. And but as far as like the the big show references, I don't know. I don't really Powerpuff Ninja Turtles. Some people say South Park Simpsons. Yeah, I saw them I mean, there. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, for oh, like yeah, Mo's, yeah, that's right. There was a Mo's background in there. I I didn't do that one, but the paint has a lot to do with it too. Like sometimes I'll draw something and they'll paint it differently than how I envision it. So you know, paint decisions can kind of make or break references too. Well, what's one of the most shocking moments of that that you've seen where some of things just come out completely differently with the color? Any episode. Honestly, like the Glorzo episode was my very first episode and the way I pictured it when I was drawing was completely different, but I love what they did with it because it's not something I would have ever done. Just that orange, like hazy dusty kind of a it's like a wet dustiness it didn't make any sense to me but it looked so beautiful and i would have definitely gone a completely different direction but that's why i'm not in the paint department <laughs> they, they make great decisions so someone in chat says i want to hear a wildly inappropriate and distasteful justin roiland suggestion that got shot down is there any for this episode <laughs> mm. No, there's this old episode I always he <laughs> he had one about a butcher who was like a he was like a butcher who was a private eye and his uh, it's a, another lost episode but there was like one, I remember we had <laughs> one whole day trying to make a story about a butcher private eye who passed out leaflets and killed himself and there he had no impact upon the story whatsoever <laughs> I don't know that's that's the that's the person I think of but there's always just like side characters little doodles that are drawn in that you'll we'll never see the light of day and then it's such a victory I, I'll I guess we'll have to come back on next year I think there's one character that I just can't uh, he, he's a little guy and he likes to be chased around. I think you guys will see him one of these days, but uh, <laughs> a character comes back that you fought for, for like two years and he makes, I mean, episode one of season five, there's a fan. I'll, I'll be back to talk about that next year. <laughs> we, we definitely do get pushed uh, sometimes to places we can't go. You know, like I, I don't know if it made it into the show, but in the toilet episode this season, we did have a shot of, of Rick's giant mechanical butthole coming down onto that I think Justin <laughs> drew on the whiteboard. Um, I don't know if it's in there or not. It may be in the dream sequence somewhere. I think it got killed. Did it? Yeah, we were all bummed. It, the butthole. Yeah. it ah. had, it had ah. fucking lens flares coming off of it and stuff. It was beautiful. We, we spent a lot of time on this lens flare. <laughs> James, are you the keeper of the references, the Easter eggs? Are you the man yeah, who filters I them out? I I could uh I could I could knock some of those out for you. Um like for um the acid vat area, obviously Batman. Um, but like for the alien thugs, we were kind of looking at um 
Dick Tracy and like those kinds of kind of goons and what they look like. Um, for, you know, then like for like the plane sequence, um, you know, obviously alive. Um, we were looking at the gray, that movie, um, just for like, just really hammering home the desperation and really just making it feel stark and, you know, just bitter. Like these guys aren't going to survive. Um, and, um, for the garage sequence, when we were dealing with the, uh, multiple Morty, uh, the Morty shunt shunting himself and, and all the times he's basically killed himself. Um, we were kind of looking at like minority report and, um, you know, like Iron Man and the way that he kind of deals with all the holograms. Um, and, uh, I don't know if there's just a few, but. What went, um, through, what, what went through heroin Keats design? How would, how would heroin? <laughs> oh um, so that one came in. I didn't particularly care for the way it originally came in. And I kind of sat with the designer and basically went over it for like 45 minutes until we finally like, you know, hit gold there. So as soon as it, as soon as I was, as soon as we were done I, and I was laughing and I was just like, Oh my God, please bring this character back. <laughs> For some reason, that's like my, the, the one pure, I, I like that heroin Keith just stands out to me. It's just like, I, I feel like I got to give that into the episode. <laughs> like I, it, it bears no importance on the story. I just like <laughs> heroin Keith a lot. No, I, but you I, suddenly I, care about him. Yeah. 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 It's a lovable heroin addict. Yeah. You can go down the rabbit hole too. I remember I was concerned that if we made the gangsters at the beginning of this episode look too much like slugs or boneless creatures, that that it would alter the joke somehow. That they were fascinated by bone science. I don't think it actually mattered, but for I remember like taking a bunch of people's time to talk about it, and it, it ultimately didn't mean anything. I love those body traps. We we had one like I think we talked about how to kill Wolverine in the writers' room like a whole day, and it ended with him like rowing out in a boat and tricking him with a, bo a fake boat he could drown. And like, I just love yeah we we you can debate the the globs and the love of bones from glob creatures. It's such a fun show to have debates on. Love it. You're on the line with the Rick and Morty Companion Podcast Live. We're talking about the Vat of Acid episode. What's your name, kid? It's Alicia Weatherholt. I was wondering about um, how Rick was domineering Morty when he forced him to um, climb into the pit of acid at the end. I'd like to hear more about that and the decisions around that interaction. Yeah, I think it was, uh, I wrote that part, like the say the vat is good and kiss the vat and, and all that. <laughs> I think that was, we just wanted to really just hit the nadir of Rick's like narcissism. And we, I mean, honestly, like this is a dark episode. We just, and, and I think we just wanted um, to, to absolutely break someone. I really love like Machiavellian <laughs> power plays or any like, any time when the plan finally works and the Count of Monte Cristo finally gets to like say his thing to someone, like I, I, I just ate that up. I, I love, I was telling you guys, I love kissing, I guess. I love like animated kiss sounds. <laughs> and so that in train has a lot of kissing. I don't know. I, 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 we just thought it would be like, let's take the stupidest argument ever and turn it into the most draconian, petty, like power move to show that like, oh no, Rick, Rick Sanchez is a, horrible person and like his his downfall can't come soon enough um under <laughs> right somebody in chat asks what are some recent sci-fi shows that you guys are into are there new tropes being explored that fascinate mm -hmm. you that might be used as influences or something like that because they felt like the sci-fi landscape has changed in the last few years right right like yeah like it's getting a little old hat to do like uh yeah like 2005 2000s any 80s yeah yeah you gotta like keep it uh i we mentioned a lot of alex garland stuff we we bring up annihilation a lot like I, the little creepy annihilation guy i was going back i love like tarkovsky sci-fi i think that's in the sweet spot right now i i always hit 90s x-men too but recent stuff uh black mirror is good uh i don't know like what do you guys like and i like head, head chain short stories are really good uh, as a novelist i watched uh devs that was an alex garland one mm -hmm. the um Devs was pretty cool. There's a, there's a lot of multiverse nowadays out there. I feel like, um, yeah, I don't know about you guys. 
does ancient aliens count because <laughs> that's all i watch <laughs> the only sci-fi i watch <laughs> yeah i've kind of been black mirror and uh trying to think of the last thing i saw um uh just watched enemy the other day that was kind of a weird movie mm. um but uh yeah I, I haven't really been watching as much sci-fi lately but I like to revisit the classics. There's a, a, speaking of Easter eggs, there was one of the board artists, Jason Warnesky drew, when Rick's meddling at his bench, he just drew some sci-fi stuff. And one of the things he picked up looked like a little sphere. And I think I just drew the, pro the prongs on the front to make it a Hellraiser ball. It had to be done. And it was like another <laughs> little Easter egg in the show. <laughs> Ant-Man and the Wasp took a little beating in this episode. <laughs> do, do, uh, do those... In, uh, insults? I don't know if they're insults or not. References. Do they come back to haunt you ever? Do Do you guys ever hear from anybody that you goof on? I'll let you know. Uh, as I <laughs> my and no, I think that was just the guy like having fun there. I don't know. I guess I'll 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 see how the Ant Man stuff goes. I think everyone knows we're joking around and like it's it, who cares? Uh, have you guys? I've never really gotten into trouble for the any references. Have you guys gotten any uh, attacks? No, I mean, my family is a little weird about the Bible stuff, but... Oh, mine too. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't but that's show what makes that. it funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's what makes it funny. So it's all good. Is there a chance for a bottle episode at this point? Or have you nipped that premise in the bud by not doing it this time that it would feel like backing off to do it? You know, there's always an idea we pitch around. Like there's been, yeah, like there was some Phantom Zone idea thing we never did. Um, but also this show, I mean, you guys, like this show is so visual and so like frantic and kinetic. I almost feel like unless it's just like that, which is such a specialized bottle episode, it's almost a disservice. Like the show is so visual and so it moves so well. Like, I mean, do you want to watch a bottle episode of just... Well, I think let, let, yeah, production does. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, we, we're dying for a bottle episode, but uh, Total Rickall, the Parasite yes. episode from yeah. season two, was originally designed to be a bottle episode, but then it blew up into a giant episode that no longer qualified as a bottle episode because of how many characters we had to do and populate every scene with crowds upon crowds. Like, there's we, there, we even called it the Where's Waldo shot, where they did like a down shot of the entire living room with a hundred character, you know, random characters, you know, looking up at the camera and, uh, that kind of, <laughs> it was an awesome episode, but it definitely was not an easy bottle episode. That's already had, uh, how many, how many time travel fantasies did he have? A lot. That yeah, that's becoming a thing too. The 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 panel within a panel premise of Rick and Morty happened in the uh, the Schrodinger's cat one. They did it again at the beginning of this season with Death Crystals, right. and now um, we we tried to cheat a little bit when when we show all the panels at the end um, by not animating every single one of them um, um, because it just it adds a, a great deal of work to have to animate all those little frames within a frame, all those little hologram streams. But then if you only animate some, some of them, but you leave some of them still, it looks like you made a mistake, like as if you, you just forgot to animate half of them. So there's sort of like free floating Morty sculptures that are kind of like melting in place that are just figures and not contained within a screen. We're kind of added to make it more of a multimedia exhibit. And um, I'm not sure about the, those little, those when, when animating those little frames within a frame, James, I wanted to ask you, do you guys have to increase the line weight or do something differently from our normal animation or? Yeah, we have to like decrease the line weight. That's like what we had to do across the board for Crystal and the same rule applied here because basically we have to draw it at a certain scale. And then for the final result, it would get scaled down, but only a certain line weight would work with that. Like you couldn't go any lower or higher. So, um, so then that it just made it scalable so that it, so that it worked properly. And it's a massive montage yeah. that you have. Where do those, are those ideas from everybody? The script had a bunch of suggestions in there of, of things you could be doing. And then the board artists are open. They're welcome to pitch ideas and, yeah, it's it's a big collaboration. Are they usually pitched in drawing, or do you guys brainstorm a bunch of lists that you give to uh, writers? Or uh, typically, yeah, I find that stuff like that you just kind of got to go at it 
go go as far as you possibly can and then edit it later if it needs editing um if you try to figure out how many beats you need or anything in advance it can it can it can you can trip yourself up so you um, just but yeah, make it first and then cut it back. Yeah, it, wow. it is. It is tough. It, it's uh, the the thing about action or or things without dialogue is that they're some of the hardest things to draw, but they are the easiest things to cut if you need time. Um, but yeah, and and so in some instances in this, like if we hit a if we hit a patch where we're waiting on notes or something, we'll say to the board artist, "Hey, draw a bunch of shots of Morty melting in place in different locations," and the board artist can pitch a bunch of ideas or. But uh, I actually boarded the the montage myself, and there were some decisions too made, like um, Morty jumping over the manhole cover was because I knew later Rick was going to be demonstrating how this device worked to Morty on a much smaller screen, and I needed a big action, a big repetitive action for Morty to be doing, like doing a skateboard trip or or jumping over a manhole, so that it would read on the tiny screen when when he's demonstrating it later it couldn't be him throwing a cheeto puff in the air because that might not read on the smaller screen so you know some of it's logical with what you come up with but some of it's just having fun and going at it the the whole relationship with the girl was just let's go go too far if you need to and let's see where it lands i find that strangely those endurance jokes though and when when people do stuff forward driven if they if, if they just really go at it without overthinking it too much, they land within range of what it needs to be. It seems like there's a, you know, comedically it, it hits the beats it needs to, if it makes sense. Yeah. Um, Harmon added the flashback within the flashback where he's looking at the girlfriend and starts flashing back to earlier in that exact montage. And uh, the gorilla pit scene was their addition too. I think I had Morty go into the porno theater at the end and sit down on the device and it was way more apathetic and less consequential. Um, but Jeff, I don't know if you have anything about montages when you guys are doing them in the writer's room. It, mainly heroin Keith forward uh, was kind of my, <laughs> I, I think I, I pitched like a mucus orgy. It would like, it was like a big alien orgy thing going on and uh, heroin Keith. Uh, yeah, I think you just, you're just trying to hit a lot. Oh, suicide by cop. I remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're just trying to hit a spread and like you're, you're just going for emotion of like, okay, if you're a you know, 14 year old boy, what are the couple of things you would do? Oh, you'd feel bad about that. Marty's a good kid. Like you kind of try to track the emotion, but show him slowly losing himself. And, and I really love that uh, pornography theater shot that you did. It was so <laughs> bleak. And like, I missed that. That was, a, that was a sad, that was a man at rock bottom. Like a 14 year old, <laughs> Where does a fourteen-year-old boy have the wherewithal to go into like a nineteen-seventies porn theater? <laughs> like that's a that's he has no nostalgia. He has no that's just a bleak choice. Like that's a sad thing to do. I think uh, it was a SMP note too. With the the orgy is in there to a degree. Yep. It's it's much more abstract. We had drawn it so horrifying and so <laughs> pornographic that uh, yeah. it got, it got so pulled many. back. Yeah, S and P had a whole lot, bunch of notes about what we could do, what we couldn't do there, and uh, what could so you do? There was a lot of in and out. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of gyrations, a lot of, a lot of all that. So we had to sort of figure out a way to get the same idea across without being as graphic. Originally, yeah. that four minutes was going to be all the orgy scene instead of the plane. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> how how much did it get animated? How much? How uh, graphic did it get? Uh, it's still pretty suggestive. It's definitely tamer than what the original was. But. Oh yeah, hip, hip hip thrusting and and butt cheeks, butt cheeks clapping and stuff. Don't they're never gonna fly. <laughs> the chat says release the porn theater cut. Yeah, are we ever allowed to bring <laughs> cut elements to the podcast, Matt, or does that defeat the purpose of? I don't know. We'll, we'll ask these guys. That's a quiet no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would if I had it on me, but I'll spoil whatever. Uh, someone in chat mentioned, was there always the plan that Jerry would be the reason Morty's experience ends? Like in this one, he grabs the remote and hits it, and then his whole experience with this woman's gone. Was that always the plan? What Or was the original reason Morty's done with it and upset with it? Um, I think originally I had him try to press the button at the plane crash and his finger was peeling off on the device. I think Dan suggested the 911 call, which worked great. And I think it was always Jerry in the living room. Um, but 
clarifying that he mistook it for the remote control didn't come through. Uh, I think we played it in the wide shot and nobody caught that Jerry had done it. It just suddenly reversed. So there was some tweaking to that scene, but I think it was always Jerry. Fucking Jerry. Question in the chat. Are there discrepancies between writers on certain references? Uh, one group too young to catch certain pop culture references that the other half reveres. Oh yeah. That's always, I mean, that, that, yeah, if you're if you're a young guy or an old guy in a writer's room, it, it is weird. Dude. Jeffrey Dahmer, maybe. Yeah, well, I think people, <laughs> Dahmer, I don't know. Is that an old reference or a young reference? I guess that's I guess that's maybe what this guy's he, asking. I feel he's one of the greats. I feel he's uh, you know he's in the. I feel Dahmer kind of made it to the Hall of Fame of serial killers. I think he's timeless. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I, and I think as someone I'm, I'm 30, so I'm like writing the line between uh, irrelevancy and all that. Like I think. There's something funny about outdated references and especially like, I mean, we've done, <laughs> we had Michael Dukakis in an episode, which has made no sense. We had Johnny Carson. I sort of enjoy, because all of humor is just reference-based now, especially a lot of animated humor. And like, I think like if you can just throw a left ball or a left ball, if you can just throw a little curve in there, like the Johnny Carson thing makes no sense, which is why it's kind of just a delight. Like I, Sonia Sotomayor, like, I, I don't know. I, I like, if you're going to reference something, just like make a bad reference. And I think that's almost a fresher choice than, I don't know. Herbal. Well, the bad reference that we, inclusive. the yeah. bad reference that we looked at for that scene with the, when Rick opens the garage door and there's the whole SWAT team, we just referenced the TV show Cops. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, but all I do is just, I just reference 90s X-Men and I try to dress it up in different <laughs> I just I got to get a new I got to get a new reference pool. <laughs> Jeff, did that Ant Man and the Wasp joke go in bef before or after uh, you were involved with Untitled Ant Man and the Wasp sequel? I don't know. I, I know we think it was in there. I don't know, but also like I know I left. I think it was like an extra. We were doing. I I left to go pitch on Ant Man. And we were doing a quick little like color rewrite or something. And that might have, that made have, I know I had to leave early and I was like, I got to go to Ant-Man of the White <laughs> So it's, I think that might've been a, a, if, but I don't know, I think we, I think we were watching Ant-Man one day. We watched the thing. I don't know. I think there was a version of it in there, but I think it, it crystallized or something maybe near the end. But uh, I, there is actually like an Easter egg in there. You'll see when Ant-Man 3 comes out, I've got something planned. Uh, a very uh, a Rick adjacent thing. I've got plans, man. I've got plans. People uh, are talking about Morty and his evolution in this season mm -hmm. and his confidence, and people want to know if it's going to stick. I, I think it kind of – you want to push him a little bit, but that's the rule of TV. It's like you, you, you push a character, but then they always have kind of a sweet spot they return to. Um, but, yeah, I really like I, – I especially like it when Rick and Morty get along. I think it's actually, like, it's more surprising. I liked – I love the Glorzo conversation they have. I love Rick, like, asking Morty to kiss him in the Christmas – or the, the story train thing. I don't know. I think I think we're growing Morty, especially next season, too. Like, he's really seeing some stuff now, and he um, – he, he knows how to handle the world, but he's been, yeah, increasingly jaded, and you're going to see it really start to bite him. But uh, I don't know. I think it's good to keep it a little fresh, and I, I, I like actually leaning into, like, the positivity between them because you just don't expect that. Like in that uh, uh, simulation episode when they just start playing with the crystals and they do the horseplay out of nowhere, like... <laughs> It's that's like I'm sure like when the show first came out, wasn't that one of the first like jokes when you're just like, what the hell is this? And like, what is this show? Like, I, I love like those unexpected turns. Um, but yeah, Morty's changing. Morty's uh, Morty's becoming a young man. You're on the line with the Rick and Morty Companion Podcast Live. We're talking about the Vat of Acid episode. What's going on? Caller on the phone. Hello. Hello. So I, I love the episode. It's pretty good. Um, <laughs> I'd like to talk about like, so... I thought like overlapping saves maybe. So was that ever thought about or elaborated or anything? Overlapping saves, like saving multiple times and, and uh Yeah. I I think we wanted like, to keep it kind of simple, but that's a very good plan. That that actually would have been a smarter way to do it. <laughs> but I think we just kept yeah, it like simple, what? like like old Tony Hawk games when you would just go back and re redo it. Yeah. Oh, uh, like when they when he presses the button in the beginning, could he do that twice? 
maybe. I guess Morty was too nervous. He was just doing it once. But yeah, I think you could probably do it twice, but it would eventually catch up to you. That just means you're killing two people. Uh, Albro fan. Oh, is that Albro? Or just an Albro fan? <laughs> and chat says... <laughs> That's Albro, come on. Jacob, what's the hardest episode you've had to direct at Rick and Morty? If it's one we haven't seen yet, can you describe why in the most vague way possible, I'm going to add? <laughs> um... Yeah, it's 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 currently happening, I think. And I, you know, it's it's um, it, t- typically with Rick and Morty, there, there is an improvisational nature to this show where you, you know, it, it's um, it, you do explore some things. You do have to draw some extra stuff that doesn't always make it, you know, and um, Typically, I think that's usually where it gets the hardest is when we go really, really, really far into that. You know, sometimes even season four, we've had animatics that run. I think I think toilet episode, the first pass I did was 26 minutes long or something like that. They air at 22 minutes. So that's almost like drawing an additional act. And um, and uh, (laughs) television production, no matter where you go, has a one size fits all attitude to schedule it's sort of like if you if you get an episode that's just rick and morty sitting in a vat of acid barely doing anything you have two and a half weeks to draw the thumbnail if you get glorzo episode and there's an entire city being destroyed you have two and a half weeks to do the thumbnail there's no it's just a sort of and and, and there are there is help it's not cruel and unforgiving we get we get extra artists sometimes we can get extra time if, if it works out schedule wise but um yeah, no, Rick and Morty overall is a very challenging show. Even this one we were saying is one of the easier episodes that I've done, but it's still tremendously challenging compared to a lot of other TV shows uh, in general. But I think I think um, probably season premieres and finales get a lot of attention. Is that true, Jeff? Would you say that, like those episodes? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, there wasn't, I mean, 501, I don't know if we even knew that was going to be the opener or not, uh, but 510 for sure has a lot of like weight to it. 410, I know they worked a lot on that. Uh, they rebroke that a lot, I know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, but especially season four, we we almost had no continuity rules. Like we wanted, we, we knew like, okay, we're going to be doing this. Like we got to shake up the show. Let's really stretch the narrative. Let's really stretch the experimentation. Let's not fall back on anything. So like no cable, no, you know, like, so I, I think we, we just wanted to stretch in that direction, but there was no, there was never really like an overarching, like, okay, this is going to be the big finale or this is the opener. We just kind of wanted to just, you know, just, just run and see what we could come up with. And extending that question to James and Lauren, is there is there a hard fast rule on design that makes or were any of these episodes the absolute hardest or? Lorzo, Lorzo <laughs> was just I'm so sorry. <laughs> that one just that one killed us. But uh, artistically, when I watch it, I'm like, holy crap! It looks amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I'm proud of it. Yeah, yeah, I was I was really excited to see that one. Um, that one, and I'm trying to think. Crystal had Crystal was tough just because you had to create all the extra deaths, mm. you know, on top of a regular load, you know, the, the, just create just doing the art for the show, but then having to go back and make 120 deaths that they only used 40 of, you know, and you're like, damn it. Um, so just a lot of extra legwork on stuff like that, like you were saying, when you're seeing a frame within a frame, having to animate. Um, you know, it definitely creates a whole other workload that, you know, you're not expecting. But We try when we when we tell the board artists to run with that stuff and draw a bunch of Morty's dying, we're always like, do it in the kitchen or do it somewhere <laughs> that, that, that we already have the backgrounds and everything. Who yeah. <laughs> we reuse as much as possible. Right. Yeah, Glorzo was difficult just because it was my first one and I was scared shitless. So I was just like trying to keep up with all the badassery that was around me. And uh, but as far as like, as far as like, man hours and like wrecking my brain on how to approach a a certain shot. I think next week's episode is my most difficult. Mm. There's just a lot of tech going on. So what's scary about it is it that, is it that you feel pressure to uh, deliver a a volume of stuff or the quality? Like what, what's stressful? It's the world building. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're surrounded by different, people who have different like expertise. So there's people who are incredibly gifted at doing machinery and weapons and things like that. I tend to gravitate more towards like emotional content and more like 
pretty drawings. So if there's something that's really like harsh and mechanical, I have to use a different part of my brain that's not natural. That's what makes our team so cool is like everyone has these like different, you know, strengths. So your crew uh, over delivers guys, wouldn't you say, where are all these outtakes? How do we see them? You guys are always <laughs> cutting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Show it to us. We, we've always joked about uh, putting together an episode of all the unsung hero <laughs> art that is laying on the cutting room floor. I think that could be an That'd interesting be cool. episode. It is, uh, yeah, that is the kind of maybe the most fun part of the job. Just like, I, like being doing these shows. It's like, oh, yeah, you just remember weeks and weeks of like, no one's ever going to see a character called Cool Horse that I tried so hard to get in there. I'm <laughs> 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 never going to see. I, well, yeah, a couple of them, you, you, you count your victories. But yeah, there's just so many. And then like, you, you guys drew Crossy and Biblesaurus. Oh, my God. That was a special <laughs> In the train episode. I think that sticks oh, with me the most. I, when you finally get to see the, all the work that goes into it, it's like, oh yeah, I remember. I remember old Bible stories. Remember that guy? Yeah, so much time goes by from like when you work on it to when it leaves your desk and when it goes on TV and you're seeing it for the first time as somebody who worked on it, it's very strange and surreal. You yeah. almost don't remember what you did because it was so long ago. All right, guys, what can we look forward to in uh, 409 coming up in just under a week? What can you tell us? Mm. Ooh, there's a lot of Jerry action. Yeah. Yeah. If you've been looking for Jerry, James Siciliano is like the Jerry whisperer. He wrote a good Jerry. (laughs) Uh, Who directed this one? Was this? Kyung Hee. Kyung Hee did this one. Yeah. Great, great, great. It's it's big. It's massive. It's like world building. It's fam. It's a family episode. It's a family episode. Mm -hmm. It's like. But if you want more like of a family storylines, the next two episodes are very heavy with like uh, Jerry and Beth and the family dynamic and all that. So yeah, like we, I season four was so much fun of just all these experiments. And then we kind of bring it back to a, a bit of a family story with the next two. Um, but it's great. Rick and Morty 408, the Vat of Acid episode. Thank you to Lauren. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you, James. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks. Everybody says Thank it's the best episode yet, and they say it every week. <laughs> Guys, thanks for having us on. Join us live next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern on AdultSwim.com or the Adult Swim app and ask your questions. Subscribe to the Adult Swim podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we'd love to hear from you. Podcast at gmail.com. And thank you to Christina Loringer for producing this episode. Special thanks to Steve Levy for organizing all of this. Thanks to you, the listener, for listening. Thank you, Max. Thank you, Max.